that window, I got places to go. People to see time is precious. I look at my Cartier out of control. Hello and welcome back to a delayed but sure to be delightful What the Fork Sunland review show. Yes, Sunland's seventh best podcast and most negative podcast is about to sprinkle swathes of positivity with a two-part podcast going through Sunland's 5-0 win over Southampton, that mad 48 hours of the transfer window, and of course, a new thing that we're enjoying doing, a little bit of listeners' questions. We've got a full house because, of course, we won 5-0, so everyone to join, um, despite the fact that they had a... Busy nights last night, shall we say, but first and foremost, in no particular order, is Laura Wood's best mate, uh, Brad Sharp. Brad, how are you? Are you okay? Yes, mate. This has like literally been the best weekend of my life. Like, <laughs> yeah, Sunderland win 5-0, Mags get bees, date night with the missus without, like, child-free, and then... I go at the court after playing football this morning, which we won 4-1, got missed out a hat-trick. And then none of them's like the highlight. I go at the court and there's Laura Woods. She gives us a little kiss on the right cheek, which even after we gave me footy, I still haven't washed. And I never, ever will. Like the best weekend of my life. And like, a bit nerd in this, Brad. No, just leave it. <laughs> <laughs> Joining me second of all is Ross Black. Ross, uh, you've met no celebrities this weekend, to my knowledge. Uh, but how are you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm good. Um, I didn't meet any celebrities, unfortunately. Uh, I don't live in high places like Bradley does. So, yeah, but yesterday was absolutely mint on it. I yeah, the the short story long. Um, no, long story short, even. Dave, you've also joined as well. You always join. How are you doing? You okay? Yeah, very well. Thanks, mate. Yeah, some of us are here. Uh, come, rain, sleet, shine, 1-1 one, one draws. You know, not just five nil wins. Set of bastards. There's a bit have, of editing for you. Have we have we drew one one this season, Dave? I don't know. I'm just I'm just talking historically. We've definitely drawn one one in our history. Oh yes, a hundred percent we have. Um, <laughs> but we've got loads to get through. We're going to split it up into two parts. Um, going to do a nice big one today because obviously we're we didn't. We didn't do it immediately after the game yesterday because literally we all had stuff on, to be honest. But um, we'll split it into two parts. We'll go through the transfer window. We can't not touch on that because that was a mad 48 hours and then the match obviously completed a mad 72 hours. So there's there's loads to get through, but there's no other place to start, Brad, than with that 5-0 win over Southampton. It's 24 hours since the game, but that felt like one for the ages. I think one will remember for a long, long time. But how are you feeling about it? So 24 hours on? Still buzzing, mate. Um, I always had faith like I've posted on Twitter and I've said to you guys I bet we win 4-0 so when Riggy popped up with a faith I was a little bit annoyed at him bless him um, but yeah it, it was just probably one of the best performances I've seen from a Sunderland side since we've came to the championship um, particularly the midfield because before the game um, I was a little bit apprehensive when they had uh, Willie Smallbone what a name in the centre of midfield because he absolutely dictated the game against us against Stoke. Um, but we just did not give them a sniff. And I thought it was really... The thing that impressed me most is I couldn't tell who was playing further forward at times, Dak or Job, because when they were trying to play out from the back, they were second-guessing because it was either one of them that was going on the press at first. It was never the same one. And I think that confused the absolute life out of them and it enabled us to press that 10, 15 yards higher than we usually do. Um, 
but I think that it set the tone that the first two goals in six minutes, I think everyone on the ground, like Tony Mowbray touched on, had bad um, memories, shall we say, of Burnley last year. Have we scored a bit too early against a team that's well fancied? But we just didn't sit back. We just didn't. I mean, they came back into it a little bit, but I just thought it was outstanding. Like, I, people talk about a man of the match. I, I literally couldn't pick one. Yeah, you, you say Echo was outstanding, but for me, it was just a complete performance from the, the whole team. Not just the 11, the, the lads that came on, Pritchard, just absolutely class. Jefferson Bennett thinking that he was on Strictly Come Dancing. It was just. Yeah, I mean, from, from minute one to, to the last minute, to a man, absolutely faultless, in my opinion. Yeah, hard to disagree. And honestly, there's going to be no negatives in this performance. I know we'd like to pick out one, if even though when we've won, just for balance, but there can't be. Um, Ross, like I say, we're 24 hours on, over actually, from the, the result. So, feels like cloud nine. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, buzzing. I thought that... Uh... Like I was going into the game, I was quite nervous. I think everybody in the crowd was as well because we thought oh, we don't know what to expect here. It's a well fancy team, a team that dominates the ball. We don't have a striker ready to play yet, although we have now have strikers. Um, but overall, it was it was amazing to watch. I thought, but being so unhappy and really wanting to leave, Jack Clark looked really happy and enjoyed his. He's D out, didn't he, on that wing? Uh, Abdullah Bar's best performance in a Sunday shirt, by far. Finally showing what everybody says they say on the training ground every week. And I'm gonna be honest, I, I thought Bradley Duck and Job, just the way it's been mentioned there, how the press just set the tone, just set the tone for how everybody followed. Dan Neal followed, Equa won everything, centre mid, and. Two clean sheets in a row. Happy days. Yeah, 100%. Dave, I know you're going to say the same as everyone else has said, but I'll give you the opportunity to enjoy the 5 no win. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, brilliant. I was uh, I was up at my local football club. We had our first game of the season. I was on in the bar. So being this far down south and, um, and having about 30 people watching me revel in dismantling Southampton, to say the very least, was lovely. Um, I did have a weird feeling that we'd do all right yesterday because we just play better against expansive football teams. We are quite clinical and we are quite ruthless. Um, I suppose people are being worried about that right-hand side with Patrick Roberts missing. But, uh, yeah, fair play to the young lad for stepping up and, and absolutely uh, smashing it. Just, just like Brad said, like Ross said, um, certain little bits of attention to detail, setting the tone. Um, I was absolutely fuming. Eighteen seconds in, I looked up at the clock, and we've given a, we've gone from an attack in third to giving away a corner. And I'm like, are we joking? What kind of day is this going to be? And then by fifty-five seconds, we'd scored. So uh, that ball in from Try Hume was delicious, to say the very least. Uh, absolutely buzzing. Sorry, I don't sound as I'm buzzing. <laughs> I'll get me, uh, I'll get me enthusiasm out. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Can't wait for the uh, impending 1-0 defeat after the international break. <laughs> Didn't say that when we get told off for being negative again. Um, I think you're right, though. Like You said you don't sound very buzzing, but I think it was just a very content and win. I think if that's the right way to say it, it was just a really nice 
game to watch from some perspective. And Brad, I think uh, Jack Clark said in his interview after the game, I'm sure it was Jack Clark, he said that they felt like, you know, the performances have been there, but that the results probably haven't in the opening weeks of the season. And that today, i.e. yesterday, was one of those days where everything sort of clicked that they've been doing on the training ground. But, but for you, you know, why did things go so well for Sunderland yesterday? Because there's just no negatives from yesterday whatsoever. Um, effort, goals, fun moments, nice moments, team play, defending, clean sheet. Like, there's just so much that went right. But but why do you think it went so well for Sunderland yesterday, Brad? I mean, you touched on the, the Jack Clark interview, and I think it speaks volumes. Because if you watch Pierre Equas as well with the... With the club's uh, website, they, they both mentioned the same, that Mowbray, Dodsey had them prepared. They, they set them up in a way that, I don't know, like, don't give, don't just, do not let them play their game. And, um, I mean, scoring two early goals, like Russell Martin said, the game plan goes out the window pretty much. But for me, I think it was just the transfer windows closed and they all know that now they're staying at the club, they're all fighting for the place. And the likes of Barr, he knows how highly um Tony Mowbray rates Patrick Roberts. So he need he, he needs to put a shift in to actually say, look, I've done nothing wrong to get dropped. Um and I think his I think his uh play in the build up for the first goal in particular goes massively under the radar. Because it was excellent. Um, but I, just, I think we've said it many times last season, Graham. I think the one team that this team have is they play with no fear. So they, they don't care if they're coming against a team that's just came down from the Premier League with a lot of ex-Premier League players. Um, They want to do their thing and they want to play their game. And I think that's credit to the coaching staff. They'll be telling them all the time how good they are and they're playing on merit. And if something if if something goes wrong, we've seen it. They don't sort of get their heads down. They just go again because they know that they are good footballers and they're a good team. And I think it sums up as well. Speaking of interviews, when you hear Pierre Quirk saying it's just like playing in the garden with my mates, they're all just a, a a young group with a few experienced lads, and they just enjoy playing football. And this is their opportunity to showcase what what they've always wanted to do. They've been in academies and maybe it's not broken into the first teams at their respective clubs or they've broken and maybe he's just been left out. And this is now their chance to show, look, I can be a, a top, top end championship footballer, if not a Premier League footballer. And we're getting the benefit of that. And a lot of credit has to go. I, I know you're touching it later, the recruitment team for one, so picking these players, but Mowbray for standing by them as well. Like like you said, we've played well the first few games. We haven't got the results on the whole. But we haven't changed how we're going to play. And I think Mowbray's drilled in to say, one of these days, something is going to go really, really right. And yesterday was that day. And I think the international break's now coming at the wrong time for us because then boys will have a hell of a lot of confidence. Um but then, like Ross said, we've got two strikers have came in on deadline day and it's sort of like we've just scored five goals. Who do you leave out now? And Roberts to come back, who do you leave out for him? Because every single player on that, that team yesterday 
deserve to keep the shirt. It, it, I can't put my finger on why it was so good, but we have played well in pretty much every game this season. And yeah, it, I think a lot of the credit is to the coaching staff. And I know he got a lot of stick because he stood in as a caretaker manager a couple of times. It didn't quite work. It seems like Dodgy's got a lot of respect from the players. Like a lot of respect and they listen to him. So yeah, it, it was just excellent. I can't put my finger on exactly why, because we've been playing well in every game, but when we get the ball in the right areas and you can see Equa is capable of what he was doing and Mowbray's touched on it. We need to start getting more goals from outside the box, especially in the absence of like Ahmad. He's not frightened to have a shot and that that's paid off. He's had two excellent strikes at goal yesterday and two brilliant goals. The second one was phenomenal. Um, they just play with no fear. They, they're not scared if they have a shot and it goes 30, 40 feet over the bar. They'll do it again and again. And when it comes off, we get a result like we did yesterday. Yeah. Um, it's hard to disagree with a lot of that. I do think they play with no fear and we're obviously going to get into later on in the pod the thoughts on the transfer window because I know I necessarily haven't been all that positive about the way the transfer window was, but it's like, I love when the shirt is up like yesterday because um, ultimately it benefits Sunderland. And I think any anyone who does a podcast or anyone who does, any fan that shares an opinion online, whether they've got a podcast or not, to be honest, if they're sharing that opinion, it's because they care about Sunderland. And I think ultimately, if that opinion is, I'm worried, I feel concerned, feel a bit negative about X, Y, or Z, and then the team will win 5 0 and kind of shut you up for the weekend, it's the best way. To be a fan, you want to be shut up. You want, you know, all the worries and the concerns and the negativities to be, to be blown out the water. Um, I know me personally, I'm completely comfortable with being wrong and if that's benefiting Sunderland, but um, it's almost impossible not to have opinions on every single game. And at the minute, mine's, mine's feeling very, very positive after that. But Ross, I'll, I'll throw a different question at you. I think it's probably quite hard to, to pin why it went so well because you can do all that preparation. You can have... 11 of your players playing well and sometimes you can get nicked 1-0 when things like that happen. We've seen it before. Um, I think we were probably as impressive last year against Norwich at home and got nicked 1-0. And um, yesterday we we go and win 5-0 and everything works perfectly. You score five goals without a strike on the pitch basically to the last 20 minutes and he didn't score one. Um, I have a part in a goal. But I think it's fair to say we pointed, we said at the start of the season, we pointed out that every player played well. It was a really good team performance. I'm not going to ask you to pick out one player because I think it's too hard, but I'm going to ask you to pick out three. Um, who were your three standouts yesterday? And then I'll, I'll throw this into you, Dave, you just come in after to, to after Oster. Okay, my three standouts were Jack Clark, uh, Battery's best, terrorising fullbacks, and travel, the way he travelled with the ball got us up the pitch so well. Pierre Equa, obviously the goal's brilliant, but he broke up the play so well. You read so many passes and interceptions, but, but, but it just stopped them. He was a battering ram all game. And then Dan Ballard. Um you think the strikers that were up against yesterday, Cheer Adams, Armstrong, I don't know who they won, but they've all been Premier League strikers. And they didn't get a sniff really. And I just thought when he went down for a bit, I shit me pants. I was like, oh no. The, uh, especially Ballard, like the injury look he's had, but he was he was absolutely solid. And uh, yeah, I think you went I think you went under the radar a bit with how good our attacking player was. 
how solid the defence was. Dave, what about you? Hi, right, Dave, you've got to take yourself off mute, mate. Yeah, I've got to take myself off mute, boys. Yeah, I was... Uh... I'm not editing that. <laughs> Let me show everyone how much of an idiot dinosaur you are. Well, well yeah, I am a dinosaur. <laughs> and also, it'll just make people think the podcast's ended. So it's like, Ross, that's it. Do not say bye now. And um, the crowd cheered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got to got to give a, a big mention to Pierre Egoire. He's definitely in my top three. Um, I think I'd probably go try Hume. Just, I thought the the cross for the first goal was fantastic, um, and then because he because he'd been a bit quiet previously and and hasn't played that much, I'd probably go Abdullah Bar. Um, that's my three. Um, again, you could pick all eleven of them, couldn't you? It, it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I think I think Anthony Patterson's grown in stature every game. Love to see it. Uh, but yeah, I I really enjoyed watching Trihume. Uh, I I said end of last season. I think it was the it was the season review that I think he's going to be a very 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 good right back and a Premier League footballer in the very near future. And uh, games like that yesterday won't uh, won't dispel that belief for me at all. I don't think. Yeah, I think it was probably his best performance of the season so far because I think because I rate him so highly. I think he's been a bit under the. I was going to say under the weather. He's not unwell. Um, he's been a bit un, uh, under par, shall we say? Um, but I thought he was back to his best yesterday, and I thought Serkin was great again. But it's really hard to argue with with Ballard, Equa, and I think Jack Clark was completely unplayable yesterday. I thought he was outstanding. But Brad, I don't want to leave you out on this. Um, so you can have three as well because you could we could pick all eleven if we're honest, and it's all just opinions because I think anyone could have won. Man of the match yesterday, and you couldn't really argue with it. But who was your sort of three standouts? Well, it's got to be Pierre Equois. Um, I put in the group. I think it was during the game and after. That boy's going right at the top. If he if he continues on the trajectory that he's currently on, he's outstanding. Like we've had West Ham's pants down with how good he is. Um, I'll go with the other one of the centre halves. I thought Luke Nine was excellent as well. Um. It was like when Ballard got injured, it was him and or nine through the bodies in the way. And like we were 4 0 up at that time. Um and they're still throwing themselves in front of it. Uh, and I thought he really led the team well yesterday. But that's just because we love Lugo Nine as well, Gwen. <laughs> um and I'll probably agree with Dave, Abdullah Bar, that was without doubt his best performance in a Sunland shirt, without a shadow of a doubt. And I felt sorry for him the last five minutes before he came off because the ball was in play for quite a while and you could see he was dead on his feet and then he got set down the right-hand side and he just he had nothing left. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could tell every single player that came off, it, the whole crowd up on the feet applauding them off. But them three for me really stood out. But like you said, Graham, all 11, or if you want to say all, was it 14 or 15 that played the part? They were all excellent, absolutely excellent. Yeah, I agree. I think, look at the subs. I thought Pritchard was superb when he came on. And he didn't really need to be, to be honest. I think we were falling up at that time when he came on and, and Bradley Dack had a good, really good game, his best game so far. But I thought Pritchard was excellent when he came on. Um, I don't know what's going on with him, to be honest. I'm not really that bothered because he's still here. 
but he certainly has looked this season that he's got a point to prove. And I think every performance that he's he's put in is proven that he, he wants to be here. And for me, model or no model, I want Alex Pritchard here as well when he's playing like that because he's a special, special player when he's in that kind of mood. And I thought I thought he was brilliant considering he could have probably just took it easy and just pressed and did what he needed to do. I thought he he pushed us forward. I thought he he played a part in us getting more goals. And I thought, you know, on another day, he could have got a couple of assists near the end as well. I thought he was really good. Um, but one person I want to mention that we kind of have to mention in a way, Ross, little Riggy, who I've got to be honest, I think looks 16. Um, sometimes you see like Joe Bellingham, you forget he's 17. For me, Riggy just looks like a, a small child, which is what he is playing football for Sunderland. But his first league goal, he's second of the season. It's it's really nice to see how buzzing he was. He took it well. And I, I, we said before, how much of a part can he play this season? We said we think he can play quite a big part. And there's his first real contribution in the league, Ross. But um, how nice was it just to see that moment for him? Just, just to see him get off the mark. Yeah, it was brilliant. I think the whole lead up to the goal as well, for Dewey becoming a fidget spinner, um, that was fantastic. And <laughs> objectively funny as well. Yeah, it was amazing. The crowd loved it as well. <laughs> like, if if it really felt like a moment, like because we were just taking the piss out of a really good side, and it was the young lads off the bench getting the chance to to show what they're about. Um, but it was a brilliant delivery by Bennett as well. Once he actually put it in, and for Rig, like he's not the tallest, but that's some leap on him mind, wasn't it? And everybody was giving the Southampton keeper a bit of stick, but he actually gets quite a lot of power on it. And it's going straight, like it, it has went quite wide. So I think it was a brilliant moment. It was for a 16 year old lad as well. Every time he's on the pitch, sometimes it can go missing, can't they, when they're that young? But he's got a presence and you, you know where he is. He gets stuck in, he doesn't shy from tackling. Let's be honest, everybody, everybody at the club rates him so high. There's a reason why. I really quickly just want to point out a, a Chris Rigg fact. I was going to go through a list of things that happened around the time he was born. Um, and I came across one that was on Twitter. And this is going to absolutely blow everyone's mind, listening to it and blow everyone's mind on the podcast. So when Carlos Edwards scored that goal against Burnley from the banks of the R- River Weir, Chris Rigg was minus two months old. <laughs> Wasn't even born. <laughs> he was born two months later. And that will simultaneously make me feel old and also impress me. Um, but yeah, you know what? Brilliant. Uh, really, really lovely to see. I think it was a really nice moment with his dad afterwards. And look, I know his family's um, from that side of the, that unfortunate side of the Northeast. But um, I think it was really nice if you if anyone watches Access All Areas, he scores. And I think it's I think it's his dad, I'm pretty certain it is. He runs down and he says, love you. I love you, son. And it's like it's that's just really nice to see. Like it, it's must be brilliant to see him and see him score. And it's his second of the season, if we're if we're honest, because he obviously scored against Crew. But I think the boy's got a really big future. I hope it's with us, and I'm, I'm sure you know the start of it definitely will be. But brilliant to see him to get it because he'll always remember that, and he'll always remember that he's his first big moment in football was at the stadium light against a a really good side and a really big win. And he, I think he deserved that. I think he deserved that for, you know, his improvement since he's been in and around the first team squad since, since like January. But um, Dave, I'll, I'll come on to you next. Cause I think we discussed a little bit about Abdullah bar. We've mentioned him a little bit here already about how we went to show where the bar was 
a winger. In fact, we were pretty certain he, he wasn't. We thought we'd rather see him in the number 10. We were a little bit concerned that maybe he hadn't progressed as much over the sort of year that he'd been here and we're starting to see, you know, is that a concern? He was tremendous yesterday. You know, you and Brad have picked him out as one of the best three. I think my you probably get my three as well, to be completely honest, I think. He was excellent. I just thought his passing was right. His, his energy was excellent. I, I did feel sorry for him at the end, like Brad said before, because he was absolutely knackered. Like he was, he's blown out of his ass. Um, and I think that's probably close to the the longest he's played in the Sunderland shirt. But particularly good, I thought Abdullah Bar. We discussed that poor performance he had last week. But how much confidence is that going to give him, Dave? The display he had yesterday and the assist that he got as well. Yeah, absolutely massive. I think. One thing about the the recruitment with us is we we go for a personality as well as a, a skill set. And I think they all want to express themselves. They all want to play attractive football. Um, they're really buying into it. The club, the scouts, the, the players themselves when they arrive. And I, <laughs> I guess it's a bit like it's a bit like Southampton, isn't it? It's they're going to be up there. They're going to be around there. The budget that they've got, the squad that they've got, it's phenomenal. Take uh, take nothing away from them. And every now and again, it's going to go wrong for them because you just have freak results in football. It's not very often that you, you go and do an invincible season or anything like that, no matter how big your budget is, no matter how good you are. And it's the same with the kids that we've got there. I think me and Brad said it a couple of weeks ago. Job seems to be having a good game, then a quiet game, then a good game. And if they're 26, 27 and in their prime, as as some people might say it within football, you possibly expect a level of consistency. But maybe we need to have a bit of a, a football and thought process behind it and realise that these kids are exactly that, kids. And they will eventually develop a consistency and, and a 7 out of 10 performance every week. At the minute, we, we seem to have a 9 out of 10 performance, and then it might drop down to a 6. Um, there's definitely something there. He, he's magic on the ball, isn't he? But at that age, in the standard of football that we're playing against, like I say, that, that Southampton team are no mugs. They are definitely not mugs. Small one, absolutely Taurus a new one last season, playing for Stoke. Um, and and we've done an absolute job on them just by doing things at the right time. And Brad again alluded to the fact of the coaches and how we've set up, and it's brilliant to see. Um, the confidence that that's going to take, and all you want now, stupid international break, isn't it? You don't want that international break. You'd love them all. To, you'd love them all to crack on on Tuesday night or or Wednesday night or the the following Saturday or Sunday, and. See how see how Bar gets on again. Let's hope he has one of them them great. But he, he is. He, there's definitely something there. We wouldn't have bought him otherwise, especially with this new model that we've got. But it's fantastic to see. Um, he did wonders in that game against Norwich last season. And I think I think if I remember rightly with that as well, he came off absolutely old fashioned word that I've never said for ages. Absolutely pagged. He was absolutely pagged. Um. And I think that just that just says to me that in terms of his off the ball running and stuff like that, he puts everything into it. Uh, he won't go he won't go far wrong here if he keeps up with that. 
Yeah, agree. And I think it's funny, like, because someone said the other day that I'll be backtracking on the podcast. I'm delighted that I am. Um, but we discussed Barr and Benetti last week, and we said, like, look, uh, potentially those two players that haven't really improved. Um, I very much doubt they listen because I don't think they speak very good English, so there'd not be much point. But uh, if they if they did, they obviously proved us wrong with the performances yesterday. Brad, another player that we've probably seen glimpses of, but not enough of, and he hasn't played enough first-team football, and when he's, we thought he might have got the chance, he's picked up like niggling injuries, but it was only a cameo, and we've talked about it already a little bit, but um, Spinny Dewey um, yesterday looked good in his little cameo, and I think you know the fact that that's going to get replayed everywhere, and People are going to be talking about Jewish and Benetti and there's even a little chance going on just now about Benetti and spinning around and all that kind of stuff, dead or alive. But that's ultimately going to be really good for both of them, isn't it? The fact that Abdullah Barr and Jewison are going to be able to look at, you know, the highlights and their analysis from this week and go, actually, I'm in a real positive impact against a really good team in a really good performance. And I can add to this. And I think confidence, especially in young boys, is massive. But how big can that be for, for those two, Brad? Yeah, it could be massive. I mean, Dewey had a moment last year, didn't he? But uh, at Watford when he scored and then didn't really get a good one in the side. But if he keeps coming on and putting on performances like that, sooner or later his chance is going to come. It, it is, it is going to come. Because you've, you've got to think as well, as much as... I mean, it's a bit harsh because Jack Clark's in that position and you don't really drop him. But Clark played every minute pretty much of every game last year. But Mowbray talks a lot about needing the squad rotation, so his chances are going to come this year. And if he puts in performances like that when he comes on, he's he's got to be saying to the manager, like, am I going to get a chance from the start now? I mean, we'll talk about his little spins. I, I think two of the three were a bit unnecessary, like, but it makes it even better. <laughs> um, but, I mean, you talk about the cross as well. You've got to remember when he came on against Coventry last year when we were 2-0 down. He put a very similar ball into Ahmad. Um, so he is capable of putting them in. And once we get a striker in there, and we need to change the game up depending on who we're playing, rather than having to play and then cut inside with the inverted wingers, there's every chance where he'll be put out on the left-hand side and just say, hey, get down there and ping them balls in like you have been when you've been coming on. Because it, it does give us a different option then. Rather than just flipping Roberts and Stewart, uh, oh, I swore, Roberts and Clark, um, rather than just flipping them on the other side to do it, we can change personnel to do it. And Dewey's, he, he's got it in the, he's got it in the, in the, in the locker there. But yeah, it, it was just, uh, I'm, I'm struggling to think of any more positives about that game because when he came on, like you said about Pritchard, they could have just like. To seen the game out, but they wanted more. They they wanted to make an impact at four 0 and that speaks volumes of them. Um, I don't know how good his English is now because I think all Mowbray used to say to them is get the ball and run, <laughs> um, and that seems like what he is doing. But putting a few little spins in there as well. But yeah, even before that, if you take that out, there was a couple of times he was knocking the ball long down the line. And there was one particular way he tried to take on their right back, just knocked it about 30 yards in front and had a foot race. And he won a, a, a throw in a dangerous position from it. He's just so direct. And that's what I like about him. I know that we rave about Clark and Clark was one of our better players last year. 
the clock gets the ball and sometimes it might be a little bit predictable or sort of slows down with it. Jimmy gets the ball in his feet and he's like a 100-metre sprinter. He just runs with it. And that's an excellent option to change things up if we ever need to. Yeah, and I, and I really hope it does. And I really hope it's a catalyst for Barr and, and Benetti to to really flourish. And I really hope that, you know, when it comes to, to Jewison, that he's, he's good for Sunderland as his dad was, Gary, of course. Um, Ross, I'm going <laughs> to... Terrible on it. Ross, we're going to go into a, a two-parter. Uh, we're going to go talk about the transfer window, but I want to leave just this little last question with you before we move on to the transfer window. Jack Clark has been, shall we say, chased by Burnley. Um, Seven million bid for his left leg they began with and have started bidding for his, his right foot. Um, eventually, they, they didn't get him, but there's been a lot of noise around him on a serious note. His celebration yesterday, uh, does that send out a message or are we reading too far into it because we're obsessed football fans that look far too deep into everybody's body language? I'd say his interview with Sky was more telling about how he said he's been enjoying playing here and how much the, the gaffer and Dodzy have been putting faith in the young lads. And I think that says it all. You know, he's at, he's at a place now where he's been given an opportunity for a consistent time in the in the starting eleven, where he can just go and express himself and develop. And I feel like the Burnley offer was was embarrassing on it, let's be honest. You compare the other fees that were going around for wingers like Alex Scott as well, twenty odd million, Jesus Christ. But yeah, it's it's he's he's too he's he he wasn't gonna go this summer, I don't think. I think it was always in the plan if he does go it'll be next year because his value will be even higher. Um, but as long as he keeps performing for Sunderland, I feel like it was meant, like Brad mentioned it earlier about the transfer window being shut. I think that will help us as a team because everyone can just stick to the way they are. You know, I mean, there's no other distractions. Everything that needs to be done is going to be done on the training pitch and on the on the on the pitch on a match day, and that suits us to a T. Right, we're going to go into a second part. I'm going to have, I don't know, I might do a death metal intro. I don't know, I haven't decided yet. There will be a, a small interlude, and then we're going to go into the that mad 48 hours of the transfer window that left me, uh, I don't know what situation I was in, but I wasn't in the best headspace because um, it was absolutely bombing. I'm sure I wasn't the only one, but we're going to dissect it a little bit. If you want to sort of tune in, we're also going to go through the listener questions. Um and we'll cover off another half an hour because you deserve an hour-long podcast this weekend, lads and lasses. Welcome back to a second part of this week's review show, where, of course, we're going to go through the transfer window, a couple of listener questions, and we'll probably just end up mentioning that we won 5-0 again at some point, and I'm sure no one will be against that. Uh, transfer window, then. I mean, that was... 
I want to say monumental 48 hours, and I don't know whether it was good on my mental health or not. Uh, I think it actually was probably quite bad, if I'm honest with you, because I couldn't get off my phone. I was meant to be enjoying myself in Monte Carlo, which I'll never, ever, ever say again. But I was on the Sun Lounger, and I literally ran my battery down from 85% to about 13 before I had to check out and get on my flight. So it was an absolutely hectic 48 hours, to be completely honest with you. And I think I'm going to come to you first, Ross, with a little bit of an overview of the transfer window. Looking back at those 48 hours or 72 hours, if you prefer, I've never known anything like it, and I don't mean that in a positive or a negative way. I mean, it was just hectic. But looking back, how were the 48 hours for you? How was how was your nerves throughout it? Um, I was fine with everything up until the part where they said Roberts was going to leave. And then I was like, no, fucking no way. We can't let Roberts go. Like That was the that would be the straw that brought the camels back, I think. And I feel like from the moment we found out that he actually wasn't going to go, and we, I'm glad the club stood strong. We're like, no, nowhere near our evaluation. He's he's one of our best players. We're not letting him go for that cheap. That it seemed to smooth over, and the players who left, the likes of Bart, Gooch, Embleton, I don't think we're going to play a big part this season. If I'm honest, from what we've seen so far, and what we know about the way things are with the contract situation with Gucci especially and Bart wanted to be away, what we know. So, yeah, I think I'm glad Roberts stayed because I think if Roberts had left, it would have been different. But the additions we brought in as well, two strikers and a right back who can play anywhere across the back as well, very highly rated, and a midfielder who can play on both wings as well as in the 10. I would prefer one more centre midfielder. I think, and I think I'm sure reports today that we actually agreed a fee for someone in South America, but it fell through due to um the way their rights are with players. So like somebody had like a third party right to it, which obviously we can't agree with. So we did have, and I know we went for uh the lad from Fenerbahce. He's I don't know what his name was. It's, I do know, but I just totally forgot it. We were linked with Buckley who went to Sheffield Wednesday from Blackburn. So I think we did try and get one, but the deal just wasn't right. So, um, so yeah, it's... I think overall, if you look at the window now, with positions-wise, we've got nearly two for everyone apart from centre midfield. So I'm quite content. I'm just worried if, obviously, if Ekwa and Neil get injured, then I think we'll be in trouble before Mateti and Evans are back. But until then, I think we're quite stocked and we've got a lot of attacking options now. Yeah, fingers crossed it doesn't happen, and we should be. I, I would have preferred an experienced head in the middle. Of, I think I said Adam Forshaw was an example last week because of the links to him, but um, someone like that would have been would have been fab. But before we go into kind of individuals and stuff like that, Brad, I, I don't think I've ever really come across a forty hours that that was something that just. I think off the top of my head out of players that were linked to go away and actually went or, or stayed as it was with some of them. You had Ross Stewart, Patrick Roberts, Dan Neal, Equa. Um, i seen a link with Sergen, Gooch, Bart, Pritchard. There was just, it felt like just everyone was like linked with a move away and we were linked with about seven or eight. And I think Crespo is the player you were mentioning before, I think Ross and, Obviously, the boys that we brought in, but I've just I've never known a forty eight hours like it. And I've got to be honest; I think the majority of us 
went into some kind of like perma crisis where we didn't really know what to make of it. But um, I was definitely guilty of that 100%. But Brad, what did you make of that 48 hours of just, I don't know. I mean, people talk about the Roy Keane transfer window, don't they? But that was just players coming in. And I think Quinny referred to it at the time as they were coming up like pups. But this was just linked to everything everywhere. So how did you handle it? How was that for you? I think the only way to describe it was absolute mayhem. Um, I didn't think a transfer window could be topped from we Philly trying to find the parent store. But this one did top it. It was like one minute, and it wasn't just the players linked to go. It was one minute Ross Stewart had failed a medical, the next minute he hadn't. And it it was absolutely, it was just insane. But when you've named all them players who were linked to go, the club have stood firm if any link, if any bids came in. And we've kept every single player that were key to what how we played last year or are playing currently in the key to the squad. Um look, Lyndon Gooch, he's he's brilliant to have as a squad player around the around the place, but how much game time was he actually going to have with everyone fit? He was literally just going to be there as a as backup, really, and his like it, if you take this, if you take the the sentimental value out of it, it does suit all parties for him to move on. I think how old is he? Twenty eight, ish. He needs to be playing every single week. He needs to be playing every single week, and it, it's it's a good move for him. It is a very good move for him. Look, he's played under the ball fella before, and he knows that Alex Neil using Alex Neil loved Lyndon Gooch, so I wish him well. Don't wish Stoke well. I wish Lyndon Gooch well. And I hope he goes on to have a, a good career. But like you said, Danny Bart's gone. We know he wasn't going to be playing. Um, Embo, I think that's a great loan move. Because, I mean, we, we've said it, he is capable and he's very good with both feet. But how much game time was he going to get coming back from that injury in, in the current team? He wasn't going to get a lot. So that that is good for him. And we tied him down to a long-term deal last season so if he goes there and pulls up trees and plays very well he can come back in next year and slot back in and fight for a place so the transfer window itself yeah the, when it when it is closed now a lot of the moves have made sense when you put it into like a perspective um getting 10 million pounds for Ross Stewart I mean he's in the last year of his deal barely kicked the ball last season when he did look he's outstanding he's my, probably is my favourite striker that we've had since Jermaine Defoe. Um, and that's not saying a lot, we haven't really been blessed with them. But he wasn't going to sign a new deal and we managed to get £10 million and I don't even think we've spent half of that on getting the players in. So does that now give the recruitment team the opportunity to start picking out players ready for January because knowing that they've got that in the bank? Whereas before that, we were sort of like having to sell before we brought in really. Um, so going forward, it has put me mind at ease that the, the recruitment team is going to get it right. But that 48 hours, mate, I mean, I retweeted saying I've revised my prediction from 3rd to 21st. I'll have to retweet again after this Laura Woods thing's calmed down a little bit because I'm quite enjoying it. I'll have to retweet again saying I've revised my prediction back to 3rd because <laughs> I think me and Ross have probably been the biggest advocates of the recruitment team getting things right, but we're allowed a little bit of criticism. I know you and Dave have been quite vocal about 
not not calling out Speakman, particularly you, but maybe he's just been a bit critical of him. I think with the players that were already here and we haven't even seen any of the new lads, I do think they've got that credit in the bank to say these new lads are going to make a difference and make us even better. We'll come on to the, the individual players and individual thoughts, but it, it was like just a 48 hours that I've never really come across in, not in social media memory, if that makes sense. I mean, back when the, that Quinny transfer window I was talking about before, social media wasn't that much of a thing, certainly not the way it is now, but... Dave, you're probably we've probably agreed a little bit more on the uh, recruitment, and we just certainly agreed a lot more in our WhatsApp group chat that we have. But obviously, people aren't privy to that WhatsApp group chat. So, Dave, how how did you? Because hindsight's a wonderful thing, but how do you look back on those forty eight hours, just in terms of emotion of it? Because it was really, it was actually quite toiling. I thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm also. Well, I was also chatting on the same day with Bowers as well. And uh, Bowers was very much of the of the opinion that Stewart should be gone and whatever. We love him. I still love him. I still think he's an exceptional footballer. Um, I've, I've said that since he was here. But I also agree with the sentiment that he was never going to sign a new deal this late in the, the day for whatever reason. I understand that. And I think to, to have ended up with 10 million is absolutely fantastic. It shows you how warped the market is. It's It's a joke. It's an absolute joke that you can get £10 million for someone who hasn't played for so long. Also, I, I don't think there's any need for the negativity around him that people give about if he gets fit and if he does any injuries. I think it's just freak accident. I think he'll turn out to be a very good player and in that team, which is very possession-based and they're going to create a lot of chances, I think he'll excel. And, um, and I think Fair play to him. Uh, I, I didn't realise that his his goal scoring record was, I think it's 41 and 82 games, something like that. Okay, there was League One involved in that, but I'll uh, I'll always have a very, very, very big spots off. Uh, best spots, spots off. <laughs> That's not getting edited out, is it? Are you, are you practising the Ukrainian in terms of for recent coming in? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely epic. I always have a very big soft spot for Roscoe. <laughs> um, we, we will come on to Ross Stewart, and I know that people are probably thinking, oh, I don't want to talk about the outgoing so much um, because the incomings are the most important thing. And I agree with that 100%. Like Ross is um, now gone, the likes of Lennon and Gucci are now gone. I think a quick word for me with, with Lennon and Gucci, I think it actually, I understand the move and I don't think he would play as much as he would like to or as much as he should at his age, but I'm so pleased that Gucci left with so much well wishes because there's been times in Gucci's like seven or eight years in the first team he's had where people have not been too sure on if he's, you know, the answer, if he's done the right thing by getting played every week. And during the league one years, he was sometimes really frustrating. Have I questioned his ability Yes. Have we all questioned his quality? Yes. But I think you look at Gucci's contribution to the club and now you can look back. He's been an absolutely brilliant servant. That sweated absolute we sweated his knackers off for Sunderland and I've never doubted his his commitment. And I think, you know, I, I don't really care about Stoke City. And that's not a positive or negative. I've got I'm not bothered. Um but I'd really like to see Lyndon Gucci go to a club and do really well. Be as loved almost as much as he was here. Um, and I think as a player, he's he's 100% welcome back because 
you know, as, as a player, he was good for us ultimately. He had some great moments, iconic moments, really. You know, scoring at Wembley, getting the winner for the first time. I know we weren't there and stuff, but then he went back a year later and had a really good game. The playoffs was vital in that playoff run. And, you know, it's, there's only Circan left from that back four that got us up from the playoffs. And Danny Bart's away. I'm sure we'll come on to him soon. We've touched on Bailey Wright before. We Everyone loves Bailey Wright, but Gucci's, um, Gucci's someone I remember very, very fondly. And I think when I get older and hopefully, you know, I have a little one and stuff like that, if they ask me what Lyndon Gucci was like, I'll only have, I'll only have positives for him. But, I think Ross Stewart's probably the the big one, if we're completely not honest, of, of him going. And I've been incredibly vocal on, on Ross Stewart's uh, contract situation. And you know, there's a lot of things I could say, and I'm not going to, out of respect, um, to two people, shall we say. But I think I felt Ross should have been tied up long, a long time ago. And I know some people think the move for Ross is... There's good money and he might not come back. I'm I'm kind of in the Dave camp. I think he'll come back and be an excellent striker. I think he's a Premier League striker in all but name at the minute. I think, you know, he's the best striker we've had since Defoe. I agree with Brad on that as well. And I think he's a huge, huge loss. But, you know, on the flip side, I always like to give balance where I can. He's gone now. It doesn't matter. He's not a Sunderland player and Sunderland are always the most important thing. And they're, they're sort of the number one. And, you know, I found it funny when people were asking if Ross Stewart was watching yesterday because there must be an element of him that's thinking, you know, crap, have I just left this? Like, because there's no club like us. We might be biased, but we're also right in that sense. And I certainly am. Um, but Ross, I'll, I'll touch on a couple of the outgoings because we might as well get down out of the way. Ross Stewart's been talked to death on this podcast. This will be weirdly probably the last time we mention him on the podcast. But what what did you make of the, the sale, Ross? I think it's good money, isn't it? Like, let's be honest. I don't think he was going to sign a contract, but what are your thoughts on it? Yeah. So I think... Every move out made sense either contractually or for the person, if if that makes sense. So I feel like Embleton needs games. Gooch needed, you know, he needed to go out and play because, it, like, especially with Pembelli and now he'd be third or fourth choice right back. And that's not good for him, is it? Let's be honest. He's not going to get on the wing now as well. We brought in him. Is it, I can't say his name, the French guy, curly hair. He can play on the wing, so can Russian. Maybe he can play across the front three if he got the three or two. So I just it just makes sense. Danny Bart, you say we 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 know that he wanted to be away. Um so he got his move away. And all I'm gonna say it was only a one year deal. So for all of those who were like, Oh, he wants to, yeah, it was just a he needed to, he wanted to move away from the club for whatever reason. And um, the big one, Stuart. You've touched on everything, really. I think everyone rates him as a striker, but with his injury record and only a year left, I think it was a good price. And you never know, he might come back and be... He might not be the same player, because with that injury, it's a risk. And I feel like that risk with the money we were getting was why we were willing to sell him, do the business, get players in now, and then we've still got a bit of money in the bank to, if January, if we need to go for it, I think we, we, we have some some funds there where we can strengthen for whichever position is required. Yeah, hopefully. Um, I, w- I would prefer him to have stayed, but I think it, it is, in some ways, it's a, it's a weight off the fan base's neck because it's dragged on for too long. No matter which side you're on, it's a distraction and ultimately the club's the most important thing. No player, no recruitment strategy, no fan 
the most important thing is the club itself as, as a whole. And we have to concentrate on something now he's gone. So that that's it done. And he probably won't get mentioned on the podcast again. Um, Brad, I know you've got to be away, mate, because you've got, a, I believe, a candlelit dinner with Laura Woods. So um, we will go into a couple of the, the incomings. We confirmed four signings on deadline day. We've spoke about needing a striker for about 50 years. Last week's was massively about strikers as much as we try to get away from it. We weren't the only podcast to discuss it. But we've now got two. Mason Burstow comes in as a 18, 19-year-old, really highly rated young kid that I think has been linked to AC Milan. And I think Bayern Munich's had scouts to watch him as well. And then we've got um, Wise Men Say Rusin. Um, two strikers that came in. We've been adamant we needed them for weeks on end. How content are you with the, the striking options now, including Hamir in that as well? Yeah, I am quite content. You've got to think, um, but it's the best. So, um, he has played men's football in England, albeit League One. So he's not. We're just picking them from an academy with an unknown. Um, Rusin's got he's not not a bad goal record actually in senior football, albeit that's in Ukraine with everything that's been going on over there, but. He, he has got something about him and we've chased him for a while, so there must be something there with him. Um, but you, you also need to remember that, like, we're still developing Hamia, but this my Enders came in very highly rated as well, and Mowbray keeps mentioning him. Um, and so, come back from the international break, potentially, we could have four strikers to pick from. And I think that's ideal um, with how we play, especially, because at the minute, it's going to be one strike and you'd imagine it's going to be Rusin. But if you want to switch to a two, you can maybe put one of the other ones in there and then we can start using these two young lads who we've had since the start of the window. We can start sort of giving them the last 15, 20 minutes instead of pinning all of our hopes on them. Which, to be fair, I know Hemery hasn't been great in the season, but pre-season, he scored a few goals and he has got something about him. But it was unfair pinning our hopes on him and having him as the only striker when we started the season. So now we can bed them in like we have been with the rest of the young lads that were brought in over this over the time that we're, um, we've had this recruitment model and give them 15 minutes here, 20 minutes there. Use them in the 23s more often than not because there's no risk of them being burnt out as, as quickly. Um, so I, I am very content. It's four strikers. Yes, it's pretty much four knowns really. But to the lads in Chelsea, if you're linked with AC Milan, He's got to have something about him. Was to chase Rusin all summer and then part, part with, well, but is it around two and a half million euros we paid for him? Or it could go up to that. So they are spending money on him. Um, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to it. I am, I am really looking forward to it because <laughs> we're going to have a striker. We're going to have a striker in the box. And it's not going to be. We've got the two big lads who is Hemia and Mayenda, but we've also got two lads who seem like they can just, they are ball players and they play anywhere across the front. They've been in the two or three or just sort uh, by themselves. So let's see. But at this moment in time, I'm very content with it because you've got to remember the last season we played pretty much, I'd say 75% of it without a striker. So the fact that we've got four now to pick from, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to it. Yeah, and I mean, I haven't really seen my ender yet and I don't want to put pressure on him here or my ender. But they could be really good. Hopefully they are. And if they're not, there's not massive amount of pressure on them to get 15 goals a season. And, and Rusin's 24, which I think is a really good age. It's a good age to be at. But 
But I wanted to chat to you a little bit about um, Mason Burstow, Ross, because uh, Mason, Mason Burstow, Mason Burstow. I haven't seen much of him, but I do have friends that support Charlton. I do have friends that support Chelsea, and they both rate him really highly. Um, I know he's been looked at by Bayern Munich as well as AC Milan, which I think speaks absolute volumes. But what have you made of the, the striking options, and in particular Mason Burstow's sign? Um, I think it's it's one that suits the model totally. It's some it's a it's a move that probably shows how well respected we are for loaning best young talents after Ahmad last season as well. Chelsea sending their number one prospect striker wise. Um but like you say it's conven- it's been an unconventional route for Burstow as well because he came through the ranks of Charlton and he got like you say broke in the League One team and then got picked up by Chelsea. And Chelsea have then kept him in the 23s and developed him in the 23s for the past two seasons. So he's then coming back into men's football. So they feel like, obviously, seeing he was a raw diamond in a, in a way, they wanted to get him up to speed technically, I think, is what they said. And then he, he's played pre-season for Chelsea. And I weirdly watched him <laughs> against Dortmund pre-season when he scored because it was one of them games that was on at like 4 o'clock in the morning and I was up watching it. So um, yeah, he's. I see it was just a small sample size, but he's physical. But he's he is good of his feet. He's raw, but I feel like that's why we're getting him. If he was a polish, Mowbray said we're not going to get anyone who's polished and ready made because we haven't got the funds to do that. And it's the same for every position. Look at Equa when he first signed, as raw as you can get. Now he's looking like the polished centre field. I think as a fan base, same with him here. Like who I thought actually. Was really unlucky not to score yesterday. Bazuma was terrible, and then the one-on-one made himself look like a bloody uh, a cat. Um, but he, he was making the runs and he's getting he's do his link-up play was really good yesterday. So a bit more game time, a bit more patience. I see. I think patience is the name, but at the same time, they're going to get chances to score goals in the system. So let's hope they start coming. One outgoing that we did have as well, Dave, and we'll jump back to some other incomings in a minute, but was our player of the year last year, uh, Danny Bart. I think we all collectively said the same thing when we seen Dan Ballard go down yesterday, like, oh no, ring Norwich. Um, but he's gone, and I think there's a few rumours flying about that he had a trigger in his clothes he played 50 games and all that kind of stuff. I don't know how far true it is. I think ultimately Danny Bart was leaving and there's reasons probably behind that, whichever they may be, he was going to leave. He was the last player leaving the transfer window. He hasn't played this season. It's been Luke and it's been Dan Ballard. We've already touched on how good they were yesterday. Earlier in the pod, they were very good last week. We touched on that again as well. Where do you stand on the, the Danny Bart transfer? Are you comfortable with it, Dave? I don't think he was he was going to be used. So it just made sense for... and. and one thing I will say for for Speakman, he said if it if it benefits the club and it benefits the player personally, then sometimes that that's the best thing to do. It, it was the right thing to do for Gooch, um, and it was clear that Bart wasn't going to get another game. Um, so yeah, makes makes perfect sense. Uh, a, a bit of a strange one, I guess, when he was so good. I think it just comes down to the fact that he's not a ball playing defender. Um, a bit of a a bit of a 
dying breed. Danny Bart nowadays, I suppose, a bit of a no non nonsense centre off. Um, so g- good luck to him. I'm sure he'll do well. <laughs> he can probably feel a little bit uh, hard done by, can't he? To be to be player of the year and then never getting another game. I suppose if the rumour about 250 grand is true, then yeah, I guess you weigh up the finances of it and on he goes. Uh, again, another player I'm sure will do do very well. Very well. And I just don't think the club see him as if we finally ever make that big push into the Premier League that, it, that he would ever be involved. So, um, good luck to him. Uh, but yeah, not, not, too, not too bothered by it. Yeah, I think I'm comfortable with it as well, to be honest. Um, strange that he's a lot of people have mentioned him not being a ball playing centre half, and that's not the way we want to play this season. And that's maybe one of the reasons. And he's got a Norwich who are like predominantly known as being a really possession based side. I found like the link to Norwich a bit of an odd one. But again, he's he's gone and, and suddenly the most important thing now. Ultimately, that's all that really matters. One player we, we did keep hold of though, Brad, was was Patrick Roberts now. I think there was a lot of interest from Southampton. Um and the, supposedly he, he was very interested in that move, shall we say. How concerned are you that Patrick Roberts, you know, supposedly said he'd be interested in speaking to them and his contract's got ten months to run. There's a feeling that some people have said he doesn't feel too loved, not by Mowbray or the fans, but by the club itself. Do you think that one's likely to work out? I think over this international break, Roberts will sign a new deal. Um, I think is his father his agent, or his father just loves us. Um, it's his, his brother, brother put is a tweet on the eh? It's not Adam, his brother. That's his agent, I think. Possibly. Well, whoever it was put a tweet on yesterday about being at the game and how much they enjoyed it. Like, and he like he wasn't playing as well. So, I think it. it I think he'll sign a new deal, and I'm not sure when he signed the two year if it was a club option of a third. So I don't know if it is in his last year. I'd have to get that checked up, but someone can correct us. Um, but it was worrying because obviously Stuart went there and we know the money that Southampton can afford it. Um, but Roberts has said and everyone said he's found a home. He's, he's found a place where people love him. He's been around the block a bit. And yeah, I, 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 you know, when, when five million comes in, you sort of think, oh shit. And then they'll put another one in. You never know. But credit to the club, they've stood firm. Um, if Roberts did say to them that he was keen on the move or at least talking to them, that's fine. Most players do that anyway. Like they want to hear what, what they've got to say. But no, I, I think he knows he's a very important player here. And I mean, the way Mowbray talks him up, he knows that he's loved under Mowbray and he's guaranteed to be playing week in, week out when he's fit. So I've got no concerns there. Um, but I mean, it does make a massive difference from players wanting to come in and pay part with money for our players rather than years gone by where we've just let the contract run down, just let them go for now because no one wanted them. So it's it, it's a positive but a negative because now we've seen if the if the club with this model everyone's got a price, but they're standing firm and they know how important Patrick Roberts is, and ultimately he stayed here and he will be a big part of us this season. Yeah, I hope so, because I really like Patrick Roberts. I think he's vitally important. But I think Sunderland ultimately, as much as we had all that worry about the players being linked, I mean, it was literally like every two minutes someone else was linked, but ultimately we hung on to Clark, Roberts, Equa, who we know bids came in for. What I don't, 
also add in sort of the fans' defence, maybe the people who were worried is that it probably historically Sunderland are hard to trust no matter what sort of happens, but fans have also been told that these players will be developed and sort of sold by design if you prefer, so I suppose it's natural that you'd worry that these bids are going to be accepted, but I'm always relatively critical of the model, I think, more than any of us, and I think I was vocally quite critical online because I was genuinely, genuinely quite worried and still probably am in little parts, but I think that I talked about building up credit in the bank with signings I've made in the past and that they had built up credit in the bank for me in a bit more trust than I had previously. When they do sign these kids, I'd say 80, 75% of them turn out to be good signings. I think they've added a little bit extra trust to me by the fact that they've managed to hang on to them this summer. Um, yeah, I know Ross Stewart's gone. I think that's a bit different. I do think we've got good money for him for someone who ultimately, I don't think, whether he was offered one recently or whether he was never going to sign one by his own um his own choice. That wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna sign a contract, I don't think. Um but the trust has been earned by the fact that they've hung on to Clark, they've hung on to Roberts, hung on to Equa. They've hung on to those players, and I think that's a real positive for me because my worry was that it would be a case of if a big bid comes in for any of them, they're away. And that hasn't happened. I know there's been interest in Patterson historically as well, and that hasn't happened either. So there's a bit of extra trust that's been earned for me personally um, through that. As much as it's, I suppose, me and it's un- me and other fans, it's understandable that to some degree they're worried that these players were going to go. But, um, you know you know what? We talked a lot about outgoings and barely any of them happened outside of the ones we've, we've kind of gone in depth with. So I'll, I'll come to you on this one, Ross. We brought in Timothy Pembele and Adele Achuchuchi um, on deadline day. Pembele comes with a really good pedigree. 26 games for Bordeaux on loan, 11 games for PSG. PSG did a nice big video for him when he left. They've both featured heavily across their national team, across the sort of age groups. I know nothing about Achuchuchi. I think this is how we pronounce his name. I know a little bit about Pembele, who I think is a really good signing. But uh, what are your thoughts on on those two? Very interesting. Um, yeah, they come from higher stocks than, for instance, Abdullah Bar. When we signed him last year, he was from, like, he'd never played any League of Mon. It was all League of Two. Well, Le Havre. So, I think that's how you say it. Could have been really French, but Le Havre. But, um, yeah, he's, they're the same highly talented lads who probably has not had the rub of the green at the clubs where they're at. Um, and we're going to be the place for them to rebuild the careers. And I think that's essentially what we've done with the likes of Roberts, Clark, Pritchard. So why can't we do it with the foreign lads as well? And I feel like in the market, that's probably where you get the best value at the minute abroad because the English market's so inflated. So yeah, we've brought in players for positions that, if we can say we can do that, a new Chi whatever his name is, I will learn it, I promise. Um, he can play as a 10 on the left or the right. He's played a bit everywhere. So it's positions we need a depth. And Pembele can play right back, centre back or left back. So covers everywhere the defence. And I think it all, it, 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 I think overall on paper, the local players, but hopefully they can adapt the English game and make an impact straight away. But it was, it was good to see them yesterday. And I thought what was noticeable is they all seemed pretty tall. Again, we haven't signed many midgets this summer. Yeah. What I was howling out on Twitter as well when we signed him 
there was a PSG fan uh, commented and said he's not that good. He couldn't uh, get in ahead of Hakimi. And I'm like, what? So he's shit because he couldn't get in ahead one of the best right backs in world football. Okay. <laughs> I'll have it. It's fine. Um, we've got about sort of five, six minutes left here because we said we're going to do a longer pod and we've gone really long. So we'll go through listeners' questions. I think we'll just do a, a bit of a, um, not a round robin, I can't remember the word, but we'll do quick fire and I'll fire this one each at you. Um, Jack, who last week said he had no questions and has again said this this week, um, has actually sent in a question, which is actually a really good one. And I'm going to give this to you, you Brad. One question. Uh, why are Sunderland fans either ecstatic or down in the dumps? There's no in-between. As we all know too well, Sunderland will do with Sunderland numerous times this season, so let's just enjoy the ride. Um, so, question for you, why are Sunderland fans always ecstatic or, or down in the dumps? Because we have never had, in my lifetime and probably beyond, a mediocre mid-table season where there's just nothing. It's either <laughs> pushing for promotion or like having hope or fighting relegation. So we've always had the one where it's either one way or the other. It would be lovely to be in the middle and to have a season like that. But um, I think that's what it is. And it's I, I think as well, it's social media always heightens everything. So someone will have one opinion, but then they won't realise that the, the week before they had an opinion which was positive. So, yeah, it's it is funny. Because it's more, it's more like we do the pods, it's reactionary, and you react to what's going on there and then. But we've never had it where it's just been plain sailing. I can't, I, throughout the season, transfer windows, ever. We've never had it where it's just been mediocre, like, like a, I don't know, I, I, like a Crystal Palace type team. We've never been that. We've, we've just been fighting, fighting for our lives to stay up. And throwing money at shite players to where we'll never get anything back. Or in recent times, I know it was League One, but we're always pushing to the top end and feeling good for a little bit, albeit we were playing in that league. And then what we had last season as well, it's there's never been anything in the middle, and that just comes with being Sunderland. Look at the next question. We've got some really good ones this week. Uh, Jimmy Rutherford, really good question, I think. Do you think as a fan base we need to trust the process a bit more? The hysterical noise of a section of our fans online always seem to fear the worst, despite the model being generally good. Um, I'll answer that one because I think you could probably class me and say that I was hysterical noise in the section of the fan base that fears the worst. I think it's completely fine to have an opinion either way. I think be that positive or negative, you've kind of got to have that opinion as part and parcel of the fun part of being a football fan and the model has generally been good but for every example of the model being um, good like for example with certain players you could say well you know our best players like Pritch uh, um, Ross Stewart all those sort of players came in during the Johnson time so it was Johnson that kind of you, you praise him for all those signings no because you could manage him and so on and so forth there's just a caveat to everything the positives and the negatives Um and I think the most important thing we need to remember about this is that when someone has an opinion which may be deemed as negative or maybe deemed as um, down on the, the the board or the team or the, the fan base, whatever it may be, it's because they care about Sunderland. And ultimately, that's the one thing we all share in common. Um, so I think to answer the question, if I can, that's just part and parcel of being a fan, both the negative and the positive. Some people see everything as positive. Some people see everything as negative. Some people have nuance. Some people are in the middle with everything. 
that's just part of being a fan. And I think that goes across every fan base. So I hope that answers it, I think. Um, I'll fire this one to you, Dave. Who gets dropped to bring in a striker? Which striker do we bring in? Um, he's gone on with a little bit more in-depth. It's David Barker, but I'll keep it short. Uh, who gets dropped and, and which striker do we bring in, Dave? Uh, I'd imagine for the for the chase that we've had, it's probably Royson. Uh, although I do believe that they'll probably all be rotated in part, uh, but I, I'd imagine he's going to be the main one. Um, and then I think it becomes a rotation between between uh, Dak and Job, uh, so that we don't get burnout from Job. And let's say Bradley's in the hard to say he's in the twilight of his career at twenty ninth. But uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's how that'll turn out. To be fair, um, but I'm excited, excited. Yeah, excited to see some of the new lads up front and and see if we can actually work out how how to play with a natural centre forward. It'll be uh, it's something we haven't done for so long. Uh, so let's see, let's see how it turns out. But yeah, excited for that thing. Right, I'll give you another this one here. We've only got like less than two minutes left here, but um, let's see what's a good one. Uh... I like this one from Peter. Uh, what do you define as a successful season? Better than last season. We'll be successful. Um, matching or better in it. It's, I know we said last year, consolidation, and then mid-table, we'll see how we get on. I would still say with the team we've got, and like young lads and things like that, I'd still say top 10 is successful when you take a step back and assess everything but to make it really successful and show that there's progress it's got to be better than last year yeah I think that's fair um I'd probably be happy with similar season last season I might even be happy with something a bit less but there's loads of really good questions if if we haven't gone to it I'm dead sorry there's been absolutely tons but we've literally just run out of time but um I hope you've enjoyed the longer pod um thanks very much for joining me Brad Dave Ross uh, subscribe if you want I know people have told me I should be saying that so you can subscribe if you like but um, ultimately if you don't just thanks for listening in even if you thought it was shite and you hated it doesn't really matter um, you stay till the end so Dave, Brad thanks very much cheers mate much appreciated your pleasure pal like my mind where I'm going, the women, the shorties, no nothing but clothes. No stopping at my Pirelli's on. Unlike my theory, that's always on. I know the storm is coming, my pockets keep telling me it's gonna shower.